before you listen to this episode, it's going to sound kind of goofy because um, it's recorded from Webex because I didn't record it on my microphone when I was supposed to. So it's just my voice on the Webex recording and my guest voice on the Webex recording. But I will say I'll commend myself and pat myself on the shoulder. Pat, pat, pat. Because this editing is much better than the editing in the Django podcast. Um, I apologize for that. The editing was kind of goofy. Anyways, please enjoy... And thank you for joining me today on Underlying Frequencies. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. I'm at Underlying Frequencies. My username is now Frequencies because I'm a silly goose. And that's all. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Pablo Javier Covarrubias Ortiz. Um, I'm a fashion design major. And uh, my mind is merchandising. And I'm trying to go into androgynous design. So I basically want to design both men's and women's wear. So my goal would be to just like either start up my own firm. As of right now, I want to kind of work for like a smaller brand. So that's what I'm trying to do. Appropriation in fashion. Oh, I should probably do the intro, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Do the intro. Yeah, do your thing. Bro. So um, my name is Maya Savidra. This is Underlying Frequencies. And today we'll be talking about cultural appropriation in fashion. And my guest today is Pablo. What's your last name? I'm sorry. <laughs> Cova Rubius. Covarubius. Yeah. Okay. Covarubius. 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 So Covarubius. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a long one. So. All right. Let me try. Is Pablo Covarubius? Yeah. Okay. It's not, cool. good. <laughs> it's not good. It takes a couple of tries, babe. So. I mean, it's sad because I yeah, am Hispanic, but I don't really speak Spanish, so. It's, it's okay. Like <laughs> it's okay. First of all, what are you just like? Before I say anything, what are you just like baseline thoughts about? appropriation in fashion so the issue with appropriation in fashion is that actually a lot of the time it's inspiration done incorrectly because a lot of designers you know designers have to draw from a source of inspiration whether that's like a personal experience uh you know a memory or a group of people a lot of the time what happens especially like you see it in big brands too where they overlook all this stuff because there's just so many it's just a lot of um it's a lot of people working so i think there's it's just basically a giant miscommunication because they start out with this one idea from like the creative director the head designer and you know they have all these like smaller designers working on the design team for example and the message gets lost in like the trans transfer of messages or whatever along the chain while it might it usually starts out as like an innocent like oh i'm inspired by the dress of for example in the i think it's it was a 90s collection by dior mm-hmm. um they had a it was a couture collection in like 93 they released a very like they had a lot of uh cultural costumes represented in a very like sort of gaudy high fashion manner so there was like a very stereotypical like racist representation of native americans and there were other you know representations of middle eastern people and you know Mm. uh, just different cultures around the world so most of the time it's done with good intention like these people are designing from a good place in their heart they're not trying to be offensive they're finding inspiration from these different cultures and languages and groups of people and practices but they don't know how to represent it appropriately they don't or because they don't do enough research or they just you know don't execute it correctly and that in turn 
comes out instead of as an inspired collection into cultural appropriation. Right. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I and I definitely agree. I don't think <laughs> I don't think designers are there and they're like, oh, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna steal this because I want to, you know. But um, I definitely think though that like, although it's not intentional, like maybe we need to like learn a little more, <laughs> you know. And I hope that like um, designers can like, especially because they're like receiving so much backlash. I hope they kind of like take a double tick and they're like, what am I really doing with this, you know? Yeah, and that's like an issue. That's another issue in and of itself because, like, the people that are doing the appropriating and the collections that are coming out that are coming off as offensive. The issue with fashion, even right now, is that all of these like big houses that are getting you know caught in this backlash of cultural appropriation. Like, I'm not talking about recently, recently, but like in in the 2000s and in the 90s, these people are getting accused of uh, appropriation. They keep getting accused and accused and accused, but it's not really an issue lying within the designer it's an issue lying within the company because you look at all these designers and what do they all have in common right exactly they're all white. Of them are white. They're all white. <laughs> yeah and i'm not saying it's bad to be white. i'm just saying if you're going to design something with a specific inspiration from a specific culture get people from that culture to design it for it and there are and they say oh well there's not many design there is a lot of designers there's so many amazing black designers there's so many amazing mexican designers there's so many amazing Middle Eastern designers. I can't even name them all off on one hand. There's so many designers that are either working for their own label or for smaller brands that are so overlooked that could, I feel like, really prevent that cultural appropriation from happening. But they just don't tap into it because all these corporations are so just bent on making money instead of making art because fashion is art, but it's slowly being perverted into this very, like, consumeristic lifestyle instead of, you know, a performance piece you feel me exactly well you just said two things that i would like to like go more into so um you just said that like there are a lot of like um like non-white like creators out there and i'm all about just like getting people out there so like can you like actually name them <laughs> yeah so um i usually i like to check out i like to do some research every now and then just see what like um i'm missing out um, mm -hmm. on my radar recently so barbara sanchez O'Kane. i i think that's her name i, I apologize if that's not it but um, I'm pretty sure that's her name. She's a, a Mexican-American designer, and she's really cool because she does very, like, androgynous slash, like, LGBT-inspired um, clothing collections. And what's funny, right, it's not what's funny, what's really cool is that because she does a lot of stuff based in Mexico, and the thing is with Mexico, Mexico's a very conservative country in terms of LGBT, like, Q rights or whatever, so they're not very supportive of that. And so she keeps like pushing that boundary of like making people uncomfortable in Mexico and like exposing them to like the LGBT Mexican like dressing mm -hmm. style. So you see like a lot of uh, almost drag, you know, uh, outfits of mm -hmm. men, you know, like feminized men, masculinized women. It's really cool. Uh, definitely watch some of her runway shows. They're so cool. They're so cool. They're like almost performance pieces. They're like performance art instead of like a runway show. It's so sick. And she's also bisexual too, so she puts that all in like she puts a lot of that like her struggles and stuff of that in like her romantic life. She puts in little themes of that into her collection. She's just really cool. I think <laughs> she's like my favorite one in terms of telling stories through collections. Mm -hmm. uh, another one, Samuel Ross. He, I know he's been on the up and up because uh, he had a big contract with Converse, but he's a uh, black designer in England. He has his own label, a Cold Wall. 
which is more based on the uh, sort of like the urban uh, organization of London and like of England in general, of the peoples and like the architecture. It's like a blend of sort of themes talking about people, how they live in urban communities and like the urban communities themselves, like the physical structures. So mm -hmm. you see like a lot of avant-garde, you know, inspiration from that and from his time, you know, just living in England. He's really good. Yeah, those are just a couple off the top of my head. But definitely and check out Barbara Sanchez okay and she's a favorite at the moment. Okay. <laughs> um, and then you also kind of just like touched on like fast fashion. So like what are just like your brief kind of opinions on that? Man. Okay, so <laughs> I feel like I'm not gonna preach from like a pedestal because we've all been there, we've all purchased from fast fashion, we've all bought from, you know, the H and M's, the Paxons, whatever, you know, it is what it is. But like the thing with fashion is like it's a fast fashion in particular. It's like it's a lesson. It's a lesson that you have to learn that everyone finds out about eventually. And I think it can be done away with. It's just it takes time and organization to do so, you know. And people say one kind of double edged sword that people uh, that people like talk about. They're like, oh, just thrift. The thing is, like, a lot of people that are thrifting as well tend to be you know, middle-class Americans that can usually afford, it's kind of a trend. It's, it's people that can afford, you know, newer clothing, but they choose just to go thrifting. And the thing is, if we just do away with fast fashion and just stick to thrifting, you know, we're going to be taking away clothing from lower-income people who aren't able to, like, afford, you know, <clears throat> higher-quality, you know, new clothing. So... At the moment, while I think fast fashion, you know, of course it's bad. I don't, I haven't bought new clothing since like, I don't know, since like pre-COVID. I haven't bought new clothing. Wow. <laughs> and everything since then has been like from Depop or like, mm -hmm. you know, thrifted appropriately. It's something that we have to phase out. So I don't think it's because people are calling for like, get rid of it. Yeah, but we can't get rid of it immediately. So Depop, for example, Depop is a great mm -hmm. app. You can buy a uh, gently user, usually new clothing for like really low. As like kind of like an addition, I know this isn't like really what the topic is, but it's my podcast, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and anyway. just like, and like an addition to like, what would you say to people who are like, who are lower income and who want to buy like new clothes instead of buying like just like thrifted clothes, who, who want to buy like new fashions and stuff and like they feel like maybe fast fashion is their only option? What would you kind of say about that? I guess, um, Honestly, less is more. Mm. Uh, what I mean by that is because people want to buy, at least when people are learning about fashion, and I know that's how I was. I was, you know, doing, do your research, first of all, do your research on these brands, like, especially, like, think about, like, what needs you have in particular. Like, what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? What kind of work do you do? How do you move? Like, do you move a lot? Are you outside a lot? Are you inside a lot? You have to think about that, too, but after that, you know, do your research on brands. Find like a good, there's always a good sweet like Goldilocks zone of affordability and high quality. So your research and like different people are going to have different standards as well. Like what I might consider, you know, a high quality brand, someone else might not just based on their personal needs and desires and wants. So do that and less, what I mean by less is more is I've been doing, I've been focusing on this as well a lot lately too. I've been like really downsizing my wardrobe because at least for people my age, in particular, at least I believe as a, uh, you know, a straight male, you don't need a lot. You can really have like a pretty good wardrobe with just 16 pieces. And I mean, yeah. that like a couple, like 
couple pairs of pants and a couple t-shirts and like two jack two three jackets and that's it like you should mm-hmm. be fine with like a small amount of high quality clothing and you gotta also not buy the trendy stuff don't follow trends <laughs> look at like what your favorite colors are buy those and just get some like very basic but like you know simple stuff because less is more so that makes sense i mean i definitely probably need to follow that advice because i have a lot of clothes and i'm kind of addicted to shopping but <laughs> you know and what i mean by like i mean less is more is like because everyone has their own personal style as well like i'm not telling because i have a very minimalistic style someone else might have like a very you know out there selling that's cool like everyone should wear what they want no matter who they are and i'm not trying to push that minimalistic style on people that's just i'm just saying what i would do like well that's very cool still so i did a little bit of research too because i was like well i don't want to come in here and just be like looking stupid so (laughs) um i was looking up a couple of stories and um one that like in particular that caught my attention while i was like well this is like definitely appropriation um gucci in their 2018 2019 show they featured models wearing like turbans like down the runway and um then like they sold them online and they labeled them as like um they labeled them as like like indie turban or something like that for like 700 dollars. and i just like i was just like that's like crazy like i guess i can understand maybe the aesthetics of it but obviously like a lot of people who were like in the sick community they were like really offended by it. So mm. I guess just like, what are your thoughts about that? And especially about like the price point of that $750 piece of cloth. <laughs> I remember seeing this collection and thinking that exactly. I was like, there's also blackface in this one as well. I'm not sure if you know, there were like specific yes, yeah. face masks that were very- I was like, about to ask red you red that too. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I saw that. I saw it. I, like, <laughs> I don't know about that, but mm-hmm. basically, because Alessandro Michel, the head designer at Gucci, he he made this, he helped make this collection as well. He has a lot of collections, kind of going back to like inspiration to appropriation. Like he's he's very deeply inspired by like you know festival slash um like festival like traveling circus kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And he like Bohemian. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Bohemian. So he, he has like a lot. You can see a lot of lot of like heavy Bohemian inspiration, and that is especially apparent in here. And I know that like a lot of handkerchiefs are worn in that style of clothing, and where mm-hmm. that is inspired from. And I think once again, this they're not trying to be offensive. I think they're just taking like a inspiration and like not doing it, not executing it correctly. Because there's a way to do that. And they should have thought, hey, you know, we should look at cultures that wear, you know, have headdress in a religious manner and not style it that way. Because honestly, like with the way a lot of this stuff is styled, I'm I'm looking at some images now just for reference. Mm -hmm. If they had just tied it differently or not worn it around their head and also just straight up excluded the blackface, like I don't I don't know how that (laughs) would do. Yeah. Uh, if they had just, you know, tied, like, the handkerchiefs and, like, all that, like, in a different manner, and they really could have. There's so many ways. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been fine. I don't think it would have been taken as appropriation. But because they styled it in that way, it's very, you know, it's offensive and it's inappropriate. And they really should have looked ahead. And that, once again, brings me back to the thing. A lot of these teams are all white and don't have experience with these cultures. you got to get mm-hmm. diversity on your team. A diverse team of people from diverse backgrounds are going to bring different ideas that will in turn bring a better collection for consumers. 
Right. I absolutely think that's true. I mean, not just in fashion, but in everything all the in time. Everything. I'm like a big promoter of that. Absolutely. Um, so something that just like kind of reminded me of um, in another show, I think it was, I wrote it down. Let me see. I think it was a Mark Jacobs show. Um, one of like a lot, like all of his models, um, like went down the runway and they were all wearing like dreadlocks, just like styled differently and with like dreadlocks and they're like white models. And mm-hmm. so like, for me, especially hair is like a big thing that I think has a lot of like appropriation kind of like conversations. Um, I think especially because like, I feel like black women are criticized for everything kind of. So like, like first, like box braids were like seen as like, like not professional or like quote unquote ghetto. And so like they were like shamed for wearing their hair that way, even though it's like a protective traditional hairstyle. And then like when black women like wear wigs or get treatments or whatever, they're also criticized for that because they're like, oh, that's not your real natural hair. Like your hair doesn't really look like that. And so I just think I would like to hear your thoughts on about like is hairstyle, can hairstyle be appropriated? Does hair really like have to do with fashion? I guess go on that. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, I mean, I, I'm not a black person, so I, my word is not like, uh, should not be taken seriously, of course. But well, don't say that. <laughs> I no, mean, you're cause, still cause having I, opinions. Because I, I, that's not my hair. And so I shouldn't be able to speak on it. But from my, my point of view, because I have friends who have had issues with like, you know, workplace stuff where I had a friend mm-hmm. who was uh, working at a Chick-fil-A and she uh she would wear her hair naturally and when she came into work her manager's like you can't wear your hair all like that like that's a dirty way to style your hair like she said that and oh. she said oh all, everybody has to have straight hair and wow. so i think it all just stems from a stigmatization and just basic systemic racism against you know black people and their you know way of making their hair and it's it's just it feels wrong to me when people who are not you know black taking these hairstyles that are often criticized and made fun of or just straight up shut down and turning it into like a fashion show thing like to to push to sell their collection like that's wrong to me and i don't think that should be done until you know hair is no longer stigmatized i don't personally believe that people who are not of a specific culture should wear the hair of that specific culture just because, you know, when they, because when they do it, when they're outside the culture doing it, they are, you know, praised as being brave. But when people inside the culture do it, they're looked down on and they're made fun of or they're criticized. Like, as long as that's still going on, people should not be styling their hair in ways taken from other cultures. I don't know if that makes sense, but. That makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah, my brother, when he was younger, he used to have a big afro because we're mixed. Like my, my dad is black and Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, so my brother used to have like a big afro. And like, I remember like people used to like be like, for him, it was like, okay, because my brother is like white passing and like he's like light like me. And so people kind of just like, I guess didn't really question it. People were just like, okay, that's just the way your hair is. And they're like, oh, that's funny. Like it must be so hard to handle, blah, blah, blah. But like, for the same thing for like black people like especially like even like at my school that i like witnessed if you wear your hair natural all of a sudden that's like bad and people give you a hard time about it so mm-hmm. that's just very interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i remember i had um back before i moved to michigan there was a girl in my in my grade who had these like beautiful beautiful dreads they were they were amazing 
and she would always get in trouble because her hair was like disruptive or whatever. She'd be like told to tie it a different way or whatever. But then this uh, white girl in my grade got dreads, uh, who were, which were way messier and like, you know, obviously styled to, you know, catch the eye. Now, I'm not saying that sounds like I'm, I'm saying it's bad, but no, she just had, you know, dreads as well. And mm-hmm. she was white. And she was, you know, praised and, you know, told like, oh, you're so brave. Like, that's so cool. You're pushing the limit. I'm like, that, that's just, I, I just don't, I'm not comfortable with it. That makes me angry. It makes me angry. I'm going to say it makes me angry that you can't sort of show your culture without being shut down. But when other people who aren't even part of your culture do it, they like, they like basically shut you down. They don't shut exactly. down. It's, it's appropriation. It's appropriation. <laughs> it's cultural appropriation. Stealing hairstyles from other cultures while they are being stigmatized is just cultural appropriation, plain and simple. That's what I want to say this whole time. Yay. (laughs) Well, like, and something that comes to mind, like, when you say that, I remember because, like, Ariana Grande, you know that song where she was like, you like my hair, G thinks, just bought it. And everyone was, like, giving her a hard time. And she was like, I don't know why everyone's mad about this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, it's because when you do it, people are like, this is fashion. This is cool. But when black women have been doing it, they're like, well, why can't your natural hair just be like that? And I'm like, well, do you like see how it's like? Yeah, it's, it's a very <laughs> double standard. It's a huge double standard. And Ariana Grande is a whole topic on itself because like. Exactly. I mean, she. There's a lot of it's not fact yet, but there is a lot of analyzation of her, you know, clothing styles, her way of presenting herself. And a lot of Police, people yes. think that because she she has very, you know, clear skin. If you look at older pictures of her, a lot of people, and it, it gets darker and darker every year, and a lot of people are saying, like, she's borderline doing blackface because she's making mm-hmm. her, you know, ethnicity very obscure and taking advantage of, like you said, like, of all these styles that were, you know, brought forth by the black community and just using them for her own gain as a white woman. And it's just, it's a tricky topic. But, yeah, no, she's, she shouldn't be doing that. And if she does, she should be paying homage appropriately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was just about to ask you about that, too. I was about to ask about just like models who like who are like tanned to like an extreme in magazines instead of just like getting a person who is actually black. They just like they get a famous white model, for example, like Gigi Hadid. I remember this was a big thing mm-hmm. a couple years ago. She did, I think, like a Vogue shoot and she was extremely tan, like amazingly. Yeah, tanned. I saw that. And she yeah. didn't even look like the same person. So I guess what are your kind of thoughts about like models and like um, skin diversity in models and like high fashion, especially? Well, the fashion industry historically is incredibly racist and very anti-black and um, very anti any like darker skin tone, but specifically anti-black. And the thing is with skin tones, especially like it's kind of like a, a wavy trend. Like if you look at past years, you know, especially like in the 17 and 1800s, like having white skin, like very, very, very white skin was a huge trend. And I studied this in my um, like culture, dress and culture class. Like you can see how skin tones are a trend and how they go from like light to dark and light to dark over the, like over the centuries. It's really weird. It's really interesting, but really weird. And the thing is you see all these models and right now I feel like specifically having, you know, a darker skin is, uh, more attractive to people in society. That's just mm. the way it is, you know, society, like, at the moment, likes darker skin tones. And 
these you know models are taking advantage of it but what they don't realize is that they're basically because people with darker skin you know have always been persecuted and they're basically having that i'm trying to word it in like a clear manner they're enjoying looking more attractive without experiencing the racism Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, you know. They want to be black without being black. They want to be black <laughs> without being black. Yeah, exactly. And that's just that's really offensive to me. That's just mm-hmm. awful. And like, I don't think they should be doing that because, first of all, I know they're not consciously like thinking that, but it's like when other when other people, especially people from like the black community or like the Latinx community or like any other community, like they see this, then they're gonna be like, "Wow, they can you know look like this without you know." being you know called racial slurs or having like a cop follow them or stuff like that and like it's just it's really infuriating and that's a lot of you know minority stress that puts on minority stress on the people i think that's definitely true so we talk about how like um especially when i was like kind of doing a little bit of research about this about how like all fashion kind of like takes inspiration from somewhere else i guess what i would I have a couple of questions like relating to this. So like what makes fashion fashion? Like is it offensive to like wear and enjoy clothing from other cultures? So, like for example, I mean this has never been like something that I've experienced, but I'm sure it could happen. I'm sure other people have experienced this. Like if you like went on like vacation somewhere, if you went to like China or something and then you just like saw like I don't know, a kimono or something and you're like, "Wow, I really want to buy this. This is like really a beautiful piece of clothing." would is that like offensive to like wear it to buy and wear that or is it more so appropriation when other designers steal that kind of style it depends it's really interesting that you bring up japan and like asia in particular because um it honestly depends on the context because like (laughs) so if i if for example if i go out and buy like a traditional you know uh kimono um which is, you know, very, very square, very big, you know, usually made out of silk and just wear that, that's cultural appropriation because I'm wearing a traditional garment just to, you know, look good. And I'm, I'm not a person of Asian descent, so that's just going to be offensive. But one thing in particular, brands in Japan, especially like, for example, you know, you have streetwear brands like Capital, um, Maharishi, uh, I think Maharishi is Japanese, Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Capital, uh, Maharishi, another uh, one. Those in particular, like they they take a lot of inspiration from like traditional Japanese garments. Uh, Yoji Yamamoto, Ise Miyake, uh, Rei Kawakubo. Shout out Rei Kawakubo. She is. I don't know what's going on, but no. So like a lot of these brands, they'll take you know their traditional clothing and you know, take little pieces from it. So for example, Capital, they make a lot of like bomber style jackets that are, have the look of a kimono. And I just feel like basically you can wear stuff like that. Like I I could wear something like that because it's very obviously a bomber jacket, but it just looks like a kimono. But if it was the other way around, it was a kimono meant to look like a bomber jacket. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so it's just like, and that kind of goes back to the same thing. Like people should, you know, 
have people on their team who are from their culture to help design them. And that's why like Japanese, you know, streetwear that takes inspiration from their clothing is so well done. It's because the people from there are from that culture. I'm not saying people from their own culture should only design that. I'm saying you should just have people from there to like, you know, lean on right. like clarification so that you don't make something offensive. Right. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, because I was also reading something about it was like one of the, like the Met Gala themes in the recent years was like China through the looking glass or like Asia through the looking glass, something about that. And I was like, I was really curious about that. I was like, well, I wonder if they're like, I don't like really remember hearing about like kind of like any like appropriation issues. And so like I found out that like it's because a lot of like almost all of the designers who like who had their designs featured on celebrities, like they were actually from an Asian country. So they were like, well, we know how to like represent things without yeah. like drawing from somebody's religion and like doing something offensive, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Cause like they actually, you know, they, they leaned, obviously there's like stylistic interpretations of, you know, traditional clothing. And I remember there was a really cool, really, really sick um, dress that had like the porcelain China print on it. Mm-hmm. Or like the weave, it was so sick. So that is that in in itself is not culture appropriation in my opinion, because they're you know they're using designers who are knowledgeable and have experienced that culture and are from that culture. So they they are able to accurately represent it without you know being offensive because they can't be offensive. It's their culture. They know how to do it. So right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so also like I guess where should we kind of draw the line of like what is and is not appropriated so like for example um i'm not i don't really know a lot of fashion history so you're probably about to laugh at me um so like so like i don't know where did like the design for like like the design for like um like high heels isn't that like something that was like way back in the day in like asia or something (laughs) i was actually if i remember correctly high heels were worn first of all they were first worn by men mm-hmm. worn by men um there's a lot of there's very apparent examples of high heels in you know ancient greece in ancient mm-hmm. rome because first of all women would wear them specifically in sort of a, a utilization not utilization i can't speak english today that's okay. in, in, a, in more of a technical sense because they would wear like these very long togas and robes and dresses and they needed something to raise themselves up so that they wouldn't be stepping on the hem all the time and then I guess men took that and back in the day, you know, men being men and insecure about themselves, they, they thought that being taller made themselves more masculine. So a lot of a lot of men would wear like plat. They don't even look like heels. That's a crazy thing. It's weird. Like look up like ancient Greece heels. It's cool. And it's a specific <laughs> name too. I just don't remember it. Um, you know, they wear that just to make themselves look taller. And then it, you know, goes on to the 1700s and 1800s. You got, you know, English kings in their portraits wearing like high heels, like five inch heels, bro. I'm just looking up the heels. I'm sorry. I'm still listening no, to you. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so heels isn't really appropriation. It just came from like all around. Like there's examples of heels everywhere. I guess what I'm trying to like, um, I'm kind of bad at explaining things myself. I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, how far back should we go to say like, well, this was like stolen, you know? Oh, like, oh, how many, like, like yeah, like That's how many like mainstream thing. things do we like have that were kind of like appropriated, I guess. Cause that's the tricky thing. Um, because there is no clear line. 
I feel like. Because, mm. for example, Rick Owens is a good example of inspiration. He always executes inspiration very well. Because he has a lot of... There's an earlier collection of his, I think it's 2017. I don't know. It might be older than that. But he takes a lot of inspiration from, like, Egyptian dress in Egyptian silhouettes and he specifically focuses on like the silhouettes and like fabrics and so instead of doing like a stereotypical Egyptian representation and mm. you got to just take minimal I guess in order to avoid appropriate like that appropriation thing you got to find minimal points of inspiration and apply them like high, the details the devil's in the details basically and hide that in there because there really is no clear line of what is cultural appropriation and what is not it's difficult. It's so contextually based. So, hmm. I really like to talk about Victoria's Secret because I have a lot of issues with Victoria's Secret myself, and um, I know just like even before going into this, they had several instances where they did like traditional Native American like headdresses, and they kind of they put that into the show, and it didn't just happen once. It happened three times, according to what I've learned, and. They haven't, they didn't like learn their lesson the first time and they did it twice more, but they were like, oh, let's just take this again. So I guess, what are your opinions on Victoria's Secret first, but then I guess just like, especially like appropriating native people's cultures. One, Victoria's Secret is a monstrosity <laughs> in my eyes. It's facts. That's to put, true. To put it lightly. <laughs> Second of all, I think okay, who is I'm I'm googling the CEO. Yeah, he was like, like some Donald Trump guy, I'm pretty sure. So that boy. White and old. He's built like a wrinkled pea. Um, <laughs> yeah, like first of all, Victoria's Secret, put to put it professionally. I, I dislike them very much. Don't say <laughs> professionally. Let you really let much. your thoughts really fly. <laughs> Man, they just straight cheeks, bro. Like, no one wants to see that garbage, bro. Like, they've been going... Okay, they've been going downhill since, like, 2012, bro. They, first of all, they, they're not changing with the times. They're not adapting to um, the industry trends. You know, they're not adapting to the types of runway shows they're doing. They're still... They're not body-inclusive, first of all. That's kind of, like, a tangent. But they keep mm -hmm. using the same skinny models, the same skinny white, like, models. Mm -hmm. Um. And I don't know who's on their design team. I don't want to know who's on their design team because I think they're at a point where they started out just designing it, thinking they were cool. But then they've kind of adapted that Balenciaga mentality of any publicity is good publicity, but it's really blowing up in their face because they're getting this publicity, but they're also like losing money. They're losing sponsors, they're losing partners. Every time they make something offensive, and it just keeps going. It keeps coming and coming. There's over 20 times. There's over 20 different times where Victoria's Secret has released something that's been blatantly offensive, misogynistic, or just racist, or, yeah, appropriating culture, like the, the Native American headdress. I don't know where that originally stemmed from, where people thought, or where, like, non, you know, Native, Native people of Native American descent, people we're start appropriating that i know it kind of went along with like fest music festivals that's where like mm -hmm. the trend kind of popped up but it's just like they just keep going downhill and that's the thing with the the fashion industry if you don't adapt you will die the the mm -hmm. your firm will die and i can definitely see victoria's secret especially like with all the bs that's going on like the ceo 
I know that he's made like a couple offensive remarks. Um, they're not adapting, and they're eventually going to pay the ultimate price for it, and they're going to shut down. Also, they're really overpriced, and they also take advantage of sweatshop workers. So, like, oh yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I have a lot of issues with Victoria's Secret myself because, well, like first of all, like if you look at like Brianna's like Fenty line with like her lingerie and her bras and yeah. stuff, like that's, that's more cool stuff. Yo, first of all, well <laughs> yeah. designed. It looks fire. Mm-hmm. so that's just like i guess a side comment but like yeah like i remember like the only like plus size person they had quote unquote plus size was ashley graham literally the only single person and in my opinion ashley graham is hardly plus size like she's like to me an average size person and like but she has like a flat stomach you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i feel like that's not really real diversity because that's virtue signaling right there because what a lot of brands do sometimes, kind of like with the black square thing with Black Lives Matter, when people were like, post, virtue signaling is like doing something specifically with, in, with the intention of showing people that you're a good person instead of actually like, you know, being invested in wanting to make the world a better place or, you know, showing that you actually care about Black Lives Matter, for example, or like showing that you care about showing body positivity and inclusivity. Like that's, that's just straight up virtue signaling. Like they didn't, they didn't care. They don't care. They just did that so that they could say, "Oh, we included someone. Get off right. our backs." Like, yeah, exactly. I didn't know that had a name, honestly, because I've been like trying to like say that a lot lately, especially with like over the summer with like Black Lives Matter stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You guys gotta stop posting about this because if you don't donate money, you don't really care." <laughs> if you're not, if you're not finna, if you're not gonna walk the walk, don't talk the talk. That's what I'm telling people because <laughs> I, I have friends who did the black square thing, and. I'm like, bro, you been to a protest? No, I'm not going to go to protest. <laughs> you know, have you donated? No, I don't want to donate. I'm like, then why are you posting about it if you're not doing anything about it? Don't post about it if you're not going to do anything. Exactly. I, gosh, don't, it don't make sense. And it applies to all aspects, not, not just Black Lives Matter. Like, if you want to truly show that you care, make it your focus. Right. Actively practice that you, like, you know, include more diverse models, body sizes, you know, races skin tones and uh yeah just you know educate yourself as well it's not just about doing it it's also about educating yourself and yeah yeah exactly i think so for sure and um yeah and that's that's just like going back to rihanna again shout out to her like like the from the very beginning like with everything that she's done because now she has like a fashion brand too but like from the very beginning she didn't even like beat around the bush she like immediately was like i'm gonna have all different kinds of models she has like um she's like even different like age reigns too and different um like skin tones and like even people who have like skin like um i guess just like different like skin types kind of and so that's very interesting to me and like again because like victoria's secret they were like we will never have a trans person in our fashion show and i'm like well what that's crazy (laughs) and like <laughs> That's crazy. And so, and then the CEO tried to defend, he didn't even apologize. He tried to defend himself and he was like, well, that's just because Victoria's Secret is all about we're trying to sell like the fantasy of being a woman. So, first of all, that's pretty sexist. And second of all, that's extremely offensive because like you're still a woman, even if you're trans. I'm not going to go into that. That's not what this is about right now. <laughs> but yeah, 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 just like, going on with like rihanna like rihanna immediately was like i don't really care i'm just gonna get models so here we go (laughs) you know and what's cool about rihanna too because she's releasing a men's line now 
and really? she released like some photos apparently and I saw some of them and she's got like mostly plus size models to show off the boxers and I was like that's really cool like really that's cool. that's so tight because you know the thing with you know men's uh underwear like ads they're always like super muscular white men mm-hmm. like I mean I I can't imagine how it feels to you know be someone who's you know plus sized or you know of a different body type or someone that's not muscular I mean I'm not I'm not saying I'm muscular, but like someone who's not muscular, you feel me? And seeing this ad and think like this is what society wants, like it's it's subconsciously putting that stress on your brain of thinking this is what I have to look like and I don't, so I'm not going to be happy. And so the fact right. that he's doing that, honestly, I think it's the first time I've seen that in like that specific area because I've like it's always like muscular men, bro. Yeah, and I just think that it's cool that she's doing that and she's pushing that like you know you can be of anybody and like where my brand which is a luxury mm-hmm. brand and it's tight so uh, yeah i definitely i really like that too and so like it's also interesting to me because brianna isn't like she's like she's like a big name obviously but like fenty products are not like are not like like vogue and gucci and like versace they're not like you know what i mean they're not like i guess like classic kind of brands so i just think it's like interesting that she's uh, yeah, like she's like new to the game and she already figured it out you know <laughs> yeah because the thing is like with a lot of these brands they try to put forward this idea of like luxury and while that's cool and all like lately it's it's over the past couple of years it's gotten very stale because you can only like feel so much luxury from like a wallet for example like mm-hmm. Gucci, i know they like push forward this idea like oh we're luxury even though like our fabrics aren't that great oh really that's the tea they don't make it it, like the thing is nowadays especially like a big trend that's popping up is this very like no bs mentality about fashion and clothing and i think that's cool and like i i look at you know Fenty's product design it's very plain it's very straight up it just says this is what you're gonna basically it's like what people got to move towards and what rihanna is really taking advantage of, of is that mentality of i just want something that i know is going to be high quality i don't really care that it's like flashy She's mm-hmm. trading the flashiness for the quality, essentially. Because, yeah, because in contrast to all these other brands, they're flashy, but not quality. Man, you know, it's like so much more about fashion than I do. Because honestly, I would just be like, this is cute. I'm going to buy it. You know, I just like, I don't even like think yeah, about like, I, just, I, I guess I got a pair and stuff. <laughs> I like to do a lot of research. So just because like lately, especially like past couple years, I've been like trying to, you know, minimize my carbon footprint and because fashion like the fashion world in general it first of all it's one of the top polluting industries and i've just been trying to find ways to minimize that you know whether it's like buying less or finding specific brands that have like that you know not only like uh eco-friendly but also ethical you know practice standards you know not you not taking advantage of workers and educating yourself and doing research because at the end of the day you could be the smartest person in the world but like if you if you don't you know do your research about something first you're not gonna practice it correctly okay i know this is supposed to be about cultural appropriation but i just thought of something else okay so nike i guess nike kind of they kind of maybe they weren't the first but i i'll say like they were like kind of like led people into the like uh like woke advertising with like colin kaepernick and like getting Mm -hmm. behind him and like paying his contract and everything but at the same time like they rely on labor from like they like take advantage of people for their labor to like make their shoes and stuff and then just like also like i I guess it kind of relates to appropriation because like 
correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm probably definitely wrong about like, but like Air Jordan. So like they kind of like they were like marketing more towards like ethnic people and they kind of like, I guess, stole like traditional designs and they're like, well, this is like a Nike thing now. So I guess just go on about Nike. Like, what do you think about that? <laughs> so Nike, first of all, in terms of sneakers, I'm not a I used to be a sneaker guy. I used to be a, like what got me into fashion was sneakers. But after I realized, you know, sneakers are, first of all, they're terrible for the environment. They're basically, if you think about it, they're a short-term condom for your feet. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they all wear out eventually. All footwear wears out. So I feel like as a society, first of all, we got to transition to a post-sneaker world. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, obviously, we can still have sneakers for, like, athletic use, like walking. But in terms of fashion, we just got to phase that out and replace it with footwear that is long-lasting and can be resold, like have the soles replaced instead of, you know, completely throwing the whole thing away, which is much less terrible for the environment. But yeah, we got to transition to that. And that'll also bring a lot of, you know, like, uh, it'll revitalize the whole, like, uh, artisanal footwear industry, in my opinion. Because that's dying. That's dying very quickly at the moment. But in terms of cultural appropriation, what's interesting is they started out doing it well I don't know as of lately in the past couple of years, but I know because Tinker Hatfield specifically, he's a huge name in the sneaker business. He he was the one that designed uh, a lot of the Jordans back when Michael Jordan was like on the up and up. Um, what's cool about that, I don't think that's cultural appropriation in and of itself because Tinker Hatfield himself was collaborating with Jordan constantly. He was talking to him like about his experiences, like how it was like growing up because like, the sneakers were art, in my opinion. The sneakers are probably some of the best designed sneakers I've ever seen, like the earlier ones. There's some that aren't as done as well, but what I mean by that is like Tinker Hatfield wasn't appropriating Michael Jordan's, you know, culture or like his, uh, how he grew up because he was, you know, working with him. He was getting <laughs> those ideas from him, not from himself. Uh, as of lately, though, I know Adidas is, They've, they've done some, like, okay work with getting, you know, small designers to make specific sneakers for them. But outside of that, it's like, you just, you got to get more and more and more and more. You got to, like, because I know Adidas did the classic, we're going to have a diversity training thing and racism, racism is going to disappear thing. <laughs> like, no, you have to get more people. You have to get more people working in all these different jobs that are not occupied normally by, you know, people of specific groups. And that's when you'll see the real changes coming. That's how it is. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a lot of kind of just like examples. I guess I'm kind of like repeating myself if I mention this. But I guess like big names in fashion, like, um, I don't know if like Versace so much has a problem with this. Maybe they do. Maybe I just haven't done enough t-shirts. But like Versace and Gucci and whoever, like how they need to like call on more um like people of diversity to like help them with their designs and so like i guess where do you see um where do you see that like going forward like how is that going to be helpful and what do you think will like become of that like what would you, what, what's the good change that you think is going to like happen as a result of more I diverse think over time this especially like right now because i think now big brands are starting to become aware of like damn we're taking big l's by, you know, having all these white folks. Cause I know like Machino specifically, I know they had a big, I don't know if it was Machino, I'm pretty sure it was Machino. They had like a very 
that's another mm-hmm. example. That's like the most recent example of cultural appropriation. They they promoted like a quote unquote tribal collection oh. that was very blatantly like first of all, it's offensively representing uh, black people, but second mm-hmm. of all, it just like stole a lot of stuff from you know different African cultures. But you know, you see those, and they also posted a picture of their like design team and like the the photo shoot. White folks, so many white folks. <laughs> you need brands are starting to realize that. Damn, we can't have. I'm not saying having white people is bad. I'm just saying having only white people is not going to make your brand more attractive to people mm-hmm. from other groups. It's not going to make it attractive to Latinx people. It's not going to make it attractive to Black people. It's not going to make it attractive to like people who are Muslim. Like it's it's all about as when you when you show that you're representing people from other groups in those collections, whether it's in the design or in the models or in the, the, the body, you know, sizes or whatever, when you start to show that starts to show, Hey, these brands really care. Like they, they're really trying to, you know, improve themselves by including us. They want us to be involved because fashion is like a very gate kept industry. So by showing, by starting to represent that and having, you know, more people from diverse backgrounds, you're going to show that, you know, they're going to show that, Oh, we want you. To be part of this instead of we just want to make this for white people or like because that's kind of like what what lately that's the message that the fashion industry has been sending like they've just been basically kind of sending the vibe of we only want white people like they're not clearly saying that but that's what a lot of people feel mm-hmm. you know what I mean? yeah. um something i just like i never really thought of it before but like i guess should we kind of like hold like celebrities and like models like the people who like consume these like high brands accountable for like appropriating things like so like I remember like when Gucci had that blackface thing um like a lot of celebrities were like I'm never gonna buy Gucci again and they like got rid of all their Gucci stuff but then like turn around like six months later here they are again still wearing it um that's virtue signaling yeah (laughs) they did it for the clout they do anything for clout like Offset said bro they do anything for clout (laughs) it's all just a clout game like celebrities, first of all, celebrities should be accountable, held accountable. And actually, no, not even celebrities, bro. People in general should mm-hmm. be held accountable for their actions. Like, obviously, you know, if I see someone wearing Gucci, I'm not going to be like, ah, Gucci sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, you suck because you wear Gucci. Like, obviously, maybe, maybe they're, they, they're not aware of it. That's not their fault. Maybe they're just not aware of it and they just need to get educated. So, but yeah, if, the, if they are aware of it, of course, especially if it's like celebrities too, who are often, you know, invited to these shows or like shown these collections ahead of time they should be aware and held accountable of like oh this collect this brand is doing this and that's offensive i'm not gonna you know deal with that brand because i don't want to be first of all i don't want to look bad but i also don't want to send the message that i'm racist as well so Mm. and what okay what makes me very sad about the fashion industry is that fashion went kind of going hands in hands with like fat fast fashion uh, we went from a very, like, if you look up very old collections from, like, the 50s to, like, the 90s, they they went from very masterfully designed, uh, like, very focused on craftsmanship and, like, showcasing art mm. to sneakers, bro. <laughs> it's just the same stupid shoe every year. Like, those, you, you know those Balenciaga, like, the big sole shoes, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the big kind of ugly ones? <laughs> yeah, like, the dad shoe trend. Uh-huh. Like, bro, they milked that so hard, like. I just, it makes me sad to see all these brands just pumping out the same 
ugly sneaker every year with different colors mm-hmm. instead of you know going back to actual design and like the only designers i see that are actively making like cool stuff rick owens my favorite one of my favorite designers he's he's pumping out like crazy avant-garde stuff mm-hmm. uh look him up it looks like you know what bionicles are bro yeah <laughs> yeah it, like his recent collection straight up looks like bionicle action figures bro it's so That's cool funny. yeah like just consumerism has driven fashion into this deep hole of not being art anymore in my opinion and mm-hmm. there's only a handful of people who are clawing themselves out of it like rick owens and like you say miyaki come de garçon but like the high fashion come de garçon not the the stupid heart shoe one um, <laughs> we just need it we need to go back to the roots we need to go back to the future marty Thank you for joining me with Underline yeah. Frequencies today. I don't know. Go ahead and plug yourself, Papa. <laughs> I'll say no. Thank you. Thank you for having me, first of all. Really, I, I've only been on like my other friend's podcast, and I just think it's cool that you're doing this. So, so I appreciate it. Appreciate you inviting me out. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. So to plug, is there anything I want to plug? Oh, check out uh, Dos Jefes. It's a really cool small brand in Detroit. Um, they do a lot of upcycled garments they like upcycled clothing into like hoodies and sweatpants and they're doing even more complex stuff they're really cool check them out uh, their Instagram is underscore dos jefes underscore also uh, justice for Breonna Taylor uh, that's still going on I mean that with all my heart call your representatives especially in the state where, where it all happened uh, donate to groups what I mean is find groups that are, do your research, of course, donate to, you know, bail funds, especially now because mm-hmm. I know ba- protests is gonna, are going to get hectic again as we get close to the election. Justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for all those who have been murdered uh, unjustly. Donate, support. Don't just post a black square. Go out there, do your thing. Well, thank you. Um, I really appreciate you joining me as well. I know we had some difficulties. In being... It's all good. It worked out in the end, you know. We're mm-hmm. here. We're present. You feel me? So it's all good. I'll love making waves. <laughs> wavy. So the people I am plugging, RC Kalen, Atelier Official. I'm gonna put it up. I can't thank that man enough for giving me the opportunity to work for him. He's teaching me a lot. He's been very patient with me as well. Shout out to him. Dos Jefes. They make super sick stuff. Check them out. They're all made in Detroit. They're super cool people as well. I met them. They're so tight. So tight, tight, tight. Really cool stuff. <laughs> Please check them out. I am begging you. They deserve it. And the same with R.C. Kalen, bro. He deserves it. He's worked so hard to get to where he is. So shout out to him. <laughs> Plug yourself. What's your Plug Instagram? Myself. I'm out there. Okay, so my Instagram is P-A-B-B-24. I'm, I'm still a fashion design student, but I'm, I'm working on... Um, I, I, feel, I feel we're plugging myself. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I have some jackets that I've been working on. Uh, I want to hopefully get... A couple sizes and a couple you know jackets made before december it it takes a lot of work i'm a very detailed person i want to make sure it's perfect so i want to get a couple jackets out there and get a low-key kind of like a, if you know you know kind of thing going so custom orders essentially out of upcycled clothing so i'm working on that so check me out pabb24 my <laughs> most recent picture is actually a jacket that i designed from scratch myself and cut sewn by me very proud of it. It's actually low-key kind of bad, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Though. I'm critical of my own work, but like, yeah, I designed and made that jacket and there's more coming. So keep that. You feel me? 